Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks to the band. The band is good. You guys are really good. Thanks for letting me come back again, <laughs> not running me off. That's a good sign. Um, and I, I really want to say how much I appreciate Macaulay trusting me to do this. It's a big deal to me because it's been a long time since I stood in the pulpit. Even longer since my son, Joe, who's here with his friend Gail, has been with me when I preached. In fact, he was probably about Seth's age, maybe a little older. Uh, and if I had to sit by him during the service, we'd both be in trouble because he's a card. <laughs> uh, I love that uh, that middle song that we sang um, where it talks about the, the return of Jesus and when he sets his kingdom up because, man, if that doesn't, if you've never thought about that, his kingdom on this earth in reality, finally, finally, Everything that the entire world has been crying for and screaming about peace and justice and love and mercy, those things are going to be real. He will be here. He will be ruling from Jerusalem. And it says that all the nations will come to give him worship and honor. And I'm telling you, in the world we live in and with what's going on all around us and all the pressures that we're all under, just try to grab onto that reality. I might not live to see it in this life. I may not live to actually, boy, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Just to step over into eternity and just be right in the middle of God's rule on this earth. But I will be there. And if you follow Jesus, if you're a committed disciple to Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, you'll be there. And I'm not really sure what we're going to be doing, but I don't think it's going to be running chemical plants and drilling for oil. I just don't think we're going to be doing that. I think we're going to probably be, have a little simpler life. Um, but at any rate, that's just my conjecture. But I love that song. I'm so glad that we did that because, man, that just stays fresh in my mind all the time. Um, one day, you know. And so this morning, I want to pray. And I'm going to ask that the Lord will uh, open his word up to us. I'm going to try to preach to you out of John, first chapter, Genesis, the first chapter, and Colossians, the first chapter, because I want to try to tie these things together. And we'll, um, what, I, what I hope happens is that we recognize the supremacy of Jesus, the God, the man, the son. We want to just honor him. Isn't that what we're here for, is to honor Jesus, to glorify him, lift him up. So pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have provided a way for us to be your children. 
you said that if we will follow you, that if we will commit our lives to you, and that we will be your children because you have given us the right to be your children. Father, help us to take that right and to do with it what you would have us to do in this world. Teach us, Lord, how to love each other in the way that you love us. And help us to support each other within this fellowship and worldwide in the body of Christ. Show us where we are defective and where we fail, Lord, so that we can allow your Holy Spirit to change us. Please help me as I preach this morning, Lord, to open your word up and that you will put a seal over my mouth to keep me from saying anything that would not glorify and honor you. And I praise your name and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me get my spectacles on. Okay, in 1 John, now John, I believe uh, just from what I've studied, that this is the Apostle John. It was the disciple that Jesus loved who wrote this. Um, and so he's coming from firsthand experience with Jesus. He walked with him. He saw the miracles. Uh, he knows that this Jesus really is God, and he was privileged to walk with him. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting thing that, Paul, that John, you know, I always think of John as being uh, very astute, very understanding of what Jesus was trying to get across to the people at the time. And all these guys were Hebrews, so they'd been raised in the scriptures, and they knew that he was fulfilling scripture left and right. But by the time that this book was written, they say it was probably around 70 AD. And the reason for that is because the temple, he never mentions anything about the temple, even a remote possibility of the temple having been destroyed. So that happened in 70 AD. So probably John wrote in that period from 30, 37 to 70 AD. And the interesting thing is that Paul, who actually came later as an apostle, also wrote during this time. And what we're going to see is, is there's total agreement between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the different writers of the New Testament on almost every subject that you can think of. They did agree. So we're going to try to take the full counsel of God this morning. And I want to read, this is a long passage, but I, I do want to read it. And let's just pray that the Lord is honored by this reading. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness, that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, 
which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If we looked at Genesis, so we see from John's description that Jesus was there in the beginning. Well, what was the beginning? Well, the beginning of time, and for us, but not the beginning of God, certainly not. God is eternal. So John is letting us know Jesus was, is God. He is in God, he is part of God, and he was there at our beginning, at the beginning of time. What this book that we hold up records. If you go back and look at Genesis, in the very beginning, in the first verses, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, God's there. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surfaces of the water. So now we see at the creation, God the Father was there. The Holy Spirit was there, hovering over the face of the deep. And now we have John telling us that Jesus was also there. So I don't know how much of this you have to take a pair of scissors to and cut out to end up believing that the Trinity isn't a real thing or that Jesus is less than what he says he is. But for us, those of us who are believing, those of us who are being saved, this is the truth. Paul backs it up in Colossians. In the first chapter, verse 13. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. That's what we've been singing about all morning. Redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn above all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Praise Jesus that he's holding all things together. Because if he wasn't holding all things together, this universe would split apart. I've watched just enough science on television to be not anywhere close to an expert, but I did pick up on a few things on one science show that I watched not too long ago. 
and they're talking about the space between the smallest known particle that there is, which I guess is a quirk or a quark or something like that. But there's a space between the very smallest thing that we can't even begin to magnify to where we can see it. But mathematically, they have, the scientists have figured this out. There's an empty space between those small particles and they can't name it. They don't know what it is. There is no name for it. And the interesting thing is that the universe is expanding all the time, moving out from the Big Bang, or whatever you want to call it, okay? But the distance between those small particles never gets any bigger. It moves what the universe has expanded. This is just my own interpretation. That is the God particle. That's what Jesus is holding things together for us. I don't know. Does it ever make you stop and look when you walk outside and it's a beautiful morning and you've got everything in the world going on that will distract you, but you take a minute and you sit down and you just take a really good look at the world that we live in? As fouled up as it is, as polluted as it may be, and as dead as it may be going, this still is a wonderful miracle. I mean, it is a miracle that we live on, that we see every day when we walk out. And I encourage you, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think, no, I don't care if anybody calls me a tree hugger or not. I think you should appreciate what God has created. I think that you should, you know, see the order of it and the beauty of it and thank him and be grateful for it. Um, so I would, but really the point of this beginning is that I want us to, to re-ground ourselves in the fact that Jesus is the cause of everything. In fact, that word in John that is used for the, where he says in the beginning was the word, the Greek word there is lagos, and it can mean the spoken word, it can mean wisdom, it's spoken, but in this case, what it means, and I want to make sure that I get this right, is that the word is the thought and the action that follows the thought. If you're, I don't care what you're doing, I don't care what you do physically, your brain has thought about it. Your brain has had a thought. And that's why you step into whatever it is that you're going to do. Well, that's a very small picture of who Jesus is. So in God, in his nature, is this part who is Jesus. And he is the one who had the thought of creating this universe, had the thought of situating everything perfectly for what? us for us to be able to live he created a place for us so that he could love us and we could become his inheritance so let's try to remember or let's always remember and how is this useful 
And if I don't make some application, uh, it should be a waste of my talking. Well, how is this useful to me is when I get that knock on the door and there's somebody trying to hand me a tract that tells me that Jesus was just a prophet. Jesus was just a good teacher. And there's no such thing as the Trinity and God doesn't have a Holy Spirit. I don't have to be a jerk about it. I don't have to shut the door in their face. I don't have to say, you know, go take that somewhere else. I have not reason to actually engage that person in a discussion, a biblical discussion that is well pointed out. So nothing else comes from today if you have a note, pen, and a notepad. Those are three very good references that we can go to. And we should be prepared in that case. Because I don't know about you, I run into people all the time. Not just run into them, but I'm around people all the time who once had a childlike faith in what the Christian story is all about, but they got older and they got smarter. And as they got smarter, they began to throw certain parts of this book out because it didn't gel with what their mindset had become. And so you have opportunities like that, I don't know, in your family and my friends, my family, there's a wide range of viewpoints on God and the Bible and salvation in Christ. Um, and so it's, it is good and I think it's not only good, I think it's required of us. It's, kind of a duty for us to be prepared to give an argument, to give a reason for our hope. That is what Paul told us to do. So you should always be ready to give at least a good reason for your hope. Uh, then as we go on down through here, it says that in him was life and the life was the light of mankind. So we are being taught now that matter formed life, are we not? That is what evolution teaches, that the Big Bang happened, that all of the elements that were required came together and they formed an ocean and then it formed, then somehow the ocean dried up and I'm simplifying this that's the stuff that we're being told, and it's being told as fact. And C.S. Lewis said the chances of that happen, happening are, and C.S. Lewis, if you don't know about him, was an avowed atheist most of his life, until he began to reasonably look at the Bible with an open mind. C.S. Lewis was talking about the chances or how he saw that um, depiction of how reality came in. And he said it would be like a pitcher of milk inventing itself. Well, that's a pretty good stretch right there. And then for that pitcher of milk to, to have set itself on a table. And then for that pitcher of milk to have knocked itself over. And for the milk that was spilled on the table to be a perfect map of Europe. 
he said, in his opinion, he said, this is what evolution and the idea that life came from matter. When you read this, it says Jesus, the life was in him. So I never thought about this until I was studying it last night, that there was life before there were humans. God is alive. He is really alive. And he's inviting us to be alive with him. Really alive. So I see uh, how beautiful this picture for me is, is that God is not abstract. God is alive. He has feelings. He loves us. He cries for us. I think there, I mean, maybe not literally, but he does weep and mourn over our lostness and about our ignorance and about how we continually turn away from him and pursue the things of this world. But if you understand, if I understand this right and God is truly alive, then I understand that this story in Genesis is true, that John knew what he was talking about under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that Paul understood what he was talking about under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And 1,600 years of Hebrew preaching and codified teaching that the life of God through Jesus is where life on this earth came from. There was life in Jesus, and that led to the creation of matter, not the other way around. It's not the other way around. And, you know, in this world, you get laughed at. In this world, you can be rejected for having that point of view. Um, And in this world, you are just looked at kind of as a bumpkin who doesn't really know, you know, what's hip and what's going on in the world. Most of the people that I know who are solid in the word, they're not closed-minded people. In fact, they're probably the most open-minded people I've ever known. And you know why? I've been there. I've been on the other end of this. I've lived for the world and the things of the world. And they always left me flat. I mean, it may take years and years for that to finally, for those chickens to come home and roost. But that is the truth of, of how this works. And these these people that I'm talking about, they're really grounded in the word. They're willing to take the risk uh, of being shamed or excluded or not looked at quite as much fun as they used to be. Uh, that happened to anybody? Yeah. Well, I, I got good news and bad news. I don't really know if it's bad news after all. The good news to me is is that 
because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Uh, you know, my, I've repeated this verse, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. This is becoming a reality for me, a daily reality for me. And I can't really explain what that, how that works. You know, I'm just not that good, but I know that this is true, that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the one, the son who loved me and gave himself up for me. That gives me determination. I'm a little bit like Matt. Don't tell me I can't do something because I'll prove you wrong or I'll try to prove you wrong. And so I'm hoping that maybe I, this will get nudged off to somebody else who needs this word. If you are in a position where you're trying to make a stand for the faith, you're trying to walk with Jesus and really love people the way that we know that the Lord wants us to love them. When we really are trying to practice forgiveness, when we are really stepping out to try to meet the needs of someone who needs help, it takes courage. It does take a type of courage. You're a young person, you're in school, Believe me, I, we all know that is the last place that you're going to find people that are going to say, oh, you're a Christian, that's so great, awesome, <laughs> boy. No, it's going to be the other way around, but you have to make a decision. You have to decide at some point, is this relationship that I claim to have with Jesus really what I think it is? Am I really going to trust him? Am I really going to let him carry me through this uncomfortableness? I pray you do. I do. I pray you do because I would have, you know, looking back on it, old people say this. So he used to. If I knew then what I know now, believe me, I would never have put myself or my family or anybody through the hell I put them through. I wouldn't. But it becomes your choice, ultimately. The Lord's not going to make you follow him. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weak and burdened and fed up with the mess that this world wants to put on you. And I will give you rest. For his burden is light. There's no guilt with his burden. There's no condemnation with his burden. There's acceptance and love and peace. If you're a young person or an old person or just a person, and you're just struggling, and you're trying to figure out where your walk is with the Lord, and we're going to give an opportunity today um, for you to pray, and you can pray in where you're at. 
Or if you want to come down here and pray, I'm sure someone will come down here and pray with you. But I would extend this invitation. If you're here and this has any ring of truth, if you walked in those doors this morning and you felt that burning in your heart, that there was a reason that the Lord brought you here this morning, don't turn away from that. Put your trust in him. That's all he wants. All Jesus wants is your trust in your heart. He doesn't want you to clean yourself up. You can't. He doesn't want you to act right. Because you can't. That's the whole point of this. We can get close, and it looks good, to people who don't know what they're talking about. Does that make sense? The world doesn't know what it's talking about, and there aren't a lot of us who are going to be getting into the kingdom. Not by comparison with the entire population of the human race since the beginning. It's a very small group of people. But if you're one of those people who are being called, don't take that for granted. You don't need to take that for granted. And so I'm going to end this in prayer. I'm going to ask Mitch to come up. And Mitch will play. And uh, you can stay right where you're at. And uh, I'm just going to open this up to an invitation. Heavenly Father, I pray that these words have been helpful. And Lord, we don't expect that the words of some man are going to be able to change anybody's mind or heart unless your Holy Spirit is in it. So we make this time, Lord, available for you to dig deep into our hearts. And if there are any decisions that need to be made, Lord, and those decisions need prayer, Father, we pray that you would move on us and that you would bring us to where you need us to be, where you want us to be. I pray, Lord, that you would tear down any walls, any barriers, any strongholds that may stand in the way of someone turning their lives to you or changing the way they've been living their Christian life. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, God bless y'all. I hope you have a good week. Uh, didn't really talk about some of the stuff that went on this week, but I don't like to get political. Uh, there are a lot of people who are just shouting hallelujah. There are also a lot of people that are really mad about some things that took place in the Supreme Court this week. I'm not taking a side. I have a side. But here's what I think. Those people that I know and love who are on that other side that are super mad. I got to figure out a way to love them. And not beat them over the head. Maybe a thump. And then not to beat anybody. I don't want to re-preach the message, but this is kind of what I was trying to get across the whole time. In light of who Jesus is, don't you think we can trust him with every single moment of our lives? Yeah. I love y'all. Thank you. Have a good week. Let's give him Love Sam speaking his heart, amen? amen. I tell you what, it's been great to have you today. And uh, one thing about it, I, I, I saw my son this past week uh, teaching a lesson, and it's something he mentioned at the end of it that we've all heard before, but we need to be reminded sometimes we've read the end of the book. We win because we have the victory in Christ. The Lord's already got the victory, and all we have to do is just trust him and just stay with him, and he will bring us through to the end. Yes. And I tell you, I'm glad for that. Let's stand together. We're